Hello and welcome to this month's episode of Silver Divorce with actuary and author Peter Newworth. This is his new show that helps us simplify a painful process. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, proud producer of the show on the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV. This is episode two of the show. On episode one, you met certified divorce financial analyst Margarita Cheng, who explained how CFPs can be most helpful in silver divorce. And today we are thrilled to be interviewing certified divorce lending professional Brooke Benson, M-A-C-D-L-P, who will talk with Pete about identifying and engaging the variety of financial experts you will need in this very important time in your life and your marriage. So take it away, Pete. Well, thanks a lot, Hope. And thank you, Brooke, for joining me. For those uh, out there listening and watching, um, I was privileged enough to be on Brooke's show, who uh, Brooke has a has her own podcast. And uh, she was kind enough to interview me around what I'm doing in the in the world of silver divorce. And now I get to return the favor because Brooke has a whole lot more to to say that she didn't get a chance to say when she was interviewing me. So you're a certified divorce lending professional and have developed a practice, I understand, about planning for divorce. And can you tell us a little bit about how you got into it and what is this planning for divorce? It seems like a strange concept. Thank you, first of all, for inviting me to be here. I'm I'm grateful to have the opportunity. I, I feel like more than anything else, I try to just spread information and education. Uh, the person watching or listening to this may not be in a position to ever need my information, but I mean, we all know someone who is in a marriage that you know may not make it. We know, statistically speaking. Half of American marriages end in divorce, and the number is much higher for subsequent you know, marriages, second and third marriages. So I probably didn't even really know any of that. Um, I myself got divorced, and I was contacted actually by someone you know, Pete, uh, Mary LaFay, who was my good friend, but we had never really talked about, you know, professional type of um I mean, I knew what she did, but she, you know, when I got divorced, she said, you should go into mortgage lending. And I was in public relations at the time and looking at taking a new public relations position. And she said, you've got children. Lending is a great gig for someone who needs some flexibility in their schedule. You know, you can do it at night after the kids have gone to bed. So that was how I got started in mortgage the divorce piece of it really when i started in mortgage i was working for wells fargo and they trained us to just be sympathetic when a client is about to experience a divorce but to wait until it's over and then offer to help and and for years that was how you know mortgage lenders behaved but the truth is if you're getting divorced and you think you might want to keep the marital residence, you don't really want to sit around with your fingers crossed, just hoping that you're going to qualify after the divorce is over. And attorneys love to know, can my client qualify for this before they even get to mediation? So I was basically, it's, it's a long story, but put in touch with someone who has been doing divorce lending 
for years and years and years. And he invited me to visit his office and I did. We're based in the Dallas Metroplex area. And I started on the piece of this, the CDLP piece of this, which is specialized training for mortgage loan officers to approach a divorce as part of the financial team. Mm -hmm. And most of my clients who are in, you know, experiencing divorce or considering divorce come to me through family lawyers. So we think of mortgage lending as, you know, marketing to realtors and marketing to consumers. And this has a slightly different uh, angle to it because I've talked to lawyers about how this process works and how I can be part of the, you know, the financial team that is involved uh, when someone who owns, you know, at least the marital residence, oftentimes other properties or businesses, you know, there are lots of moving parts. But if a lawyer sees that a couple owns a home together and wants to explore what the options are for that home, that's when that person would reach out to me. I see. Well, you know, you you it also sounds from from what you said at the outset that, you know, sooner is better. I mean, the sooner you start to look at this thing, the better. And the question I have, and, and again, it's it's just an intriguing concept planning for divorce. I mean, how early should one start thinking about divorce? Should people be thinking about it even if they have no intention or thought that they may get divorced? When is the right time to to start thinking about these things? So, you know, I would say it's different for everyone. Um, And the reason that I specifically came up with the plan for divorce, I've written a workbook to guide people through that process. I saw a wedding planning magazine. Um, I was in the Rio Grande Valley, far, far South Texas, and there was a wedding publication for people getting married who, you know, might want to get married in the valley. So it was a guide to Um, caterers, wedding flowers, gowns, you know, all of the things that are part of a wedding guide. And I thought to myself, given the, you know, the clientele that I interact with, I thought, you know, if someone put even 10% of the energy they devote to planning a wedding into preparing for a split when it doesn't last, people would just be so much better off. So I didn't advocate for divorce. Someone called me a divorce advocate on another podcast, and I had to stop and say, wait a minute, I'm not a divorce advocate. But if the relationship doesn't work, and it's important to note here that this applies to same-sex couples or people who were never married, I say divorce just because that you know triggers the idea in someone's mind. But I work with lots of same-sex couples, married and not married, who decide to go separate ways and still have real estate that they have to deal with, you know, as part of the breakup. So the plan for divorce came as a result of, you know, just thinking about how much time and energy goes into planning the union. But then, you know, I have clients I talk to all the time who, you know, are my lending clients and I'll say, you know, tell me what's up. And so they'll give me a brief overview of, you know, what the scenario is and, you know, whether they've definitely agreed to divorce, whether they're uh, amicable with the other party. 
And then my next question is, well, what is your plan? And nine, more than nine times, nine and a half times out of 10, um, my client says, I don't have a plan. Just make this be over. It's awful. I don't, you know, I don't want to deal with any of this. I just want to snap my fingers and have it be over. So from my personal experience, I totally agree. I get that. But again, if you have property, if you have children, if you have a business together, I argue that you must start some planning before you act. I mean, ideally, even before you contact an attorney. But, you know, again, I I teach continuing legal education to lawyers on this topic because the sooner someone can decide this is what I want to be when this process is over, then I think the better that divorce is going to go versus the people who just, you know, just bury their head in the sand and hope it goes well. Well, and, it, you know, I know I like the kind of the mirror image of planning for a wedding. I mean, a lot of people will say, well, you know, maybe we're going to get married. Let's talk about what that might look like. And and then then you start getting into it and you and you see, oh, well, it's pretty involved and and it's going to be very expensive. And um, well, I guess that means we're going to have a plan for a long engagement because we have a long time to do that. Well, at the same time, I guess after you're married and you start to look around at what you've got, maybe that's the time to say, well, what if we were to ever get divorced? And um, because it also it sounds like it's one of those things where advanced planning really makes a big difference. I mean, you mentioned the, you know, your client who says, uh, I just want this to be over. But 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 by then it's kind of too late to do the planning. It can be definitely. And, and really, the saddest part of my job is when I'm contacted by someone who's already divorced and they're stuck in some bad situation related to their property, you know, maybe they agreed to divorce and both stay on the note, which I just had recently. And the husband was the departing spouse, the wife stayed in the home. And she came to me um, because the husband wants to buy his own property. And he can't do that because he's still on the mortgage for the house where she lives. And I said, well, you know, um, send me your decree. Let me see how it's worded. And I can let you know, you know, if I'm able to help you. Well, the wording in the decree was not helpful at all. I mean, they were supposed to have agreed to sell the property at some point down the road. She convinced him that she should stay there with their children. And he agreed at the time. But I mean, if you don't get some of these things resolved when the marriage is over, it just does not ever seem to go well later. I mean, there, you know, it's realistic to think that each of you is going to meet someone else. You're going to want to move forward with that person. And those ties that, you know, tether you to your former spouse are very difficult to unravel. Um, I've had some really bizarre situations where I'm trying to think of all the the background on this one. I had a client who bought a house with her husband who was military. 
And so they used a VA loan and then they got divorced and she was awarded the house and had to refi the VA loan. But she had already been remarried to someone. I mean, it just the the layers of complexity just start to add up over time. I mean, we as human beings don't generally just sort of quit living after this is over and you shouldn't. I mean, the, the point is to think about, you know, during this breakup, where do I want to be in three years? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I've got kind of two things going on. One of them is the actual divorce plan that I developed really by talking to my clients, you know, mm-hmm. seeing that wedding magazine and then talking to my clients and listening to some of their considerations that, Truthfully, I never thought about before. And um, one of those examples is, you know, special needs adult child. I mean, mm-hmm. I never thought about that. Who who makes those decisions, and and how is that, you know, that child affected by the divorce process? So just the more different kinds of scenarios and people's, you know, narrative around the mortgage piece of it, I just started making notes about it and developed plan for divorce to help guide people through the process. Well, and and it sounds like the complexities that you mentioned, I mean, certainly if, you know, it's, there's the closing the barn door after the horse is stolen. I mean, there is this, you know, if it's too late because the divorce has happened and there's a, there's an engage, you know, a marital settlement agreement or something involved, it, 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 you know, having to, having to fix things is is tough, but some of those complexities accumulate during the marriage, don't they? And so um, again, you know, I guess it sounds, it sounds to me like when you, when you're pretty sure you might get divorced, that's when you ought to start thinking about planning for it. I think so. I mean, you know, typically people don't just wake up one morning and say, I think we should get divorced. I mean, I think that, you know, the decision to do that builds over time. I mean, certainly in my case, my, you know, my parents are still married after 50 years and, and I expected to have a long marriage. I don't think most people get married with without expecting to stay in it. But, you know, realistically, we know that doesn't happen. Something you said reminded me, um, you know, people get married a lot of times because they fall in love and and they, you know, recognize the other person maybe as someone they want to, you know, have children with, co-parent with. But it's not frequently discussed that marriage is a contract, Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually more than one contract. It's a covenant if your religious, you know, beliefs are, are you know, that you believe it's one of the sacraments. Um, it's a covenant. But then also you're really committing yourself to sharing a credit profile. I mean, you know, things that are not sexy, that are not romantic. And so, you know, you fall in love, you get married, you have this amazing wedding and everything is, you know, wonderful and everyone congratulates you. But then, you know, once you get five, 10 years down the road and life happens, like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. And so it may be that, you know, someone who listens to this podcast or listens to, you know, my podcast like I said, maybe they're listening to it more for someone else. You know, oh, my sister is going through this or oh, my coworker is in a bad marriage. 
But, you know, it. I don't think it hurts for anyone to ponder some of these ideas just to be on the same page with their spouse and be able to openly discuss, you know, what what would we do? And and then, you know, I just recently spoke at the University of Texas with a family lawyer and our topic, which was assigned to us, it wasn't something we chose, but the topic was divorce and death related to mortgages. And it was, you know, teaching lawyer, it was CLE, continuing legal education. And we kind of discussed the idea that divorce and death, they're just things that happen. And to be able to prepare for them, I mean, to be able to prepare for death, I think really is a blessing for the survivors, you know, the people who love that person. And going through the planning for a divorce, it just brings up a lot of topics that are probably healthy topics for a healthy marriage where both parties, you know, have may have differing opinions and have to meet in the middle on some of these issues. Well, I mean, and of course, everybody's, you know, we advise everybody to get an estate plan, even though, you know, you know, you're not ready to die now. You're not planning on dying, but still, you know, it's inevitable. Now, divorce is not as inevitable as as death, but but your point is is well taken. So my question then is you're you're you specialize in the mortgage lending aspect, the real estate part of it. But is that the first spot that people ought to think about? I mean, let's let's say you got a couple that is, you know, things aren't going well. They think, you know, we might end up getting divorced. Where where's what's the first thing that, that a couple like should do in terms of planning? I think it depends on whether they're children and if those children are still school age. I mean, drawing on my own personal experience, you know, I had kind of taken the mindset of, you know, this may not work out and I'll be fine, but I really want minimal disruption for my children. So I started just kind of thinking about, you know, what that would look like for the kids if we were to split up. But I'll tell you, Pete, it didn't take long for me to get to the thought process of how could I stay in this school district? So real estate comes up pretty quickly when you do have children. And especially my children were in an excellent public school. And they were also in a Spanish immersion program where it made it sort of difficult to switch from one elementary school to another. And so that was the, I mean, truly the the guiding part of my, you know, once we acknowledged the marriage was not going to make it, my first thought was, I want to stay near this elementary school and just keep the kids in as much of a normal life as possible. But that's my own experience. I mean, I think for other people, you know, I've worked with people whose ex-spouses were incarcerated. You know, there may be some triggering event that, you know, well, I was going to try to stick it out for a while. But, you know, now that he's been arrested, you know, maybe I want to kind of pump, you know, touch the gas on this and go ahead and get this underway. So it really depends on the circumstances. And I've seen horrible, you know, domestic violence cases where, you know, the parties are not forthcoming about what's really happening at home. And and in that situation, you know, your personal safety would be 
you know, and obviously safety of your children, but that would be the most important thing to, you know, get to someplace where you're safe. So I, I do think it varies, you know, by situation, but I mean, honestly, you know, when my husband and I split, I wasn't really excited about talking to anyone about it. I also, I think, you know, you have that feeling of if I don't say it, maybe it's not true. But I did talk to my realtor friend because I said, you know, this is not going well. You know, we're in counseling. I'm not sure this marriage is going to make it. Can you give me an idea of what you think we could sell our house for? Because, I mean, it, and we owned a business together, too. So that was another story. But, you know, that was one of the first people I talked to. And, you know, she's someone I count on her discretion and. I wasn't necessarily looking to hire her, but I needed some information. That's a great point. And and I, especially the whole idea of even if you've got if you've got kids and you in their school districts and you know where you live makes a difference as to what schools they go to. And therefore, as you say, the, the house comes up very early on. What other professionals, I mean, should be, I mean, realist realtors and real estate professionals certainly. What other what other professionals should a divorcing couple think about talking to in, as they think about divorce? I mean, yeah, you know, that was a whole new world for me. I had no idea how many professions have specialties like mine, like the CDLP. And um, Hope mentioned that you had a certified divorce, I think, financial advisor, a CDFA. So those people are extremely helpful. Um, I have I have gotten in touch with people who do all kinds of things. I mean, therapy specifically for divorcing couples, lifestyle coaches specifically for divorcing couples, um, some of the parenting course kind of things. So there really are so many resources for someone who is pondering a breakup. And I've tried to list as many of those as I can think of in my my guide called Plan for Divorce, because I think the idea of building a, a little team of people you can trust to help guide you through the process is a great idea. I mean, I didn't do that because I didn't know about it, but I want other people to know, hey, you know, you can involve this person, you know, whether it's a forensic accountant. I mean, I hired a forensic accountant in my case. Those people are, you know, out there and they're very active and they can go look at the financials and, you know, kind of figure out where where money's going if there are questions like that. So a lot of specialties with, um, you know, around the the idea of divorce. Well, you you actually so you mentioned you mentioned forensic accountant. And I was actually gonna. That's where I was gonna head to you. Is to what extent do you think a broad financial planner, maybe a CFP, or as you say, a forensic accountant, or a CPA, or a tax advisor, or something? I mean, at what point do they need to be brought in, and do they? And I guess. To what extent do they need to be coordinating with you and the other real estate professionals in the, in the mix? I think it's, I mean, the ideal situation is to have these people in mind when you hire your attorney. I think uh, more often than not, the attorney is really the person driving the bus, but that person is really working specifically on the legal aspects of the case. But 
the attorney may draw these kinds of people into the mix if there's, you know, a large estate or, um, you know, significant assets where, you know, the lawyer says maybe we need to get a, a certified, you know, a fraud examiner to look at this. Um, so I think sometimes the attorney has those resources, but certainly if I were going to get divorced now, knowing what I know, I would say, I really want so-and-so to be involved in this. And I'd like for her to look at our financials, you know, as quickly as possible. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, the lawyer may bring people in, your therapist could bring people in. Um, I'm very familiar with the collaborative divorce process, which is, you know, very different from, you know, I get a lawyer, you get a lawyer, we get right. mediation. And so in the collaborative divorce process, there is a financial defined role that typically a CPA would fill um, or a CFP. And, and let me also say, I know lots of CFPs, CFAs, and many managers, wealth planners, who don't have a specialty divorce designation, but can be very effective doing the same kinds of things. So me as the CDLP, I really try very hard to swim in my lane. Mm -hmm. I want to provide information. I want to, with, with my client's consent, I want to make sure I'm communicating with everyone who's involved in the process and I also will ask, and, and I'm very vocal about asking for any information that I'm going to need to know qualifying this person for a loan. Mm -hmm. So if they have a, CF, a, a CPA who, you know, maybe I'm going to need a PL from them for their loan. And so I will just say to either, you know, the lawyer or the client, I'd like to be in touch with the CPA, you know, get that consent obviously is very important, but then I will be very clear with that person, the CPA, here's what I need from you, you know, and here's what I'm trying to do. And so as long as the client agrees, and I, I don't know that I've ever had a client say, no, you can't talk to my CPA. I mean, they, they realize the value of having coordination from mm -hmm. a couple of people. We're all swimming in the same direction, but, you know, I'm going to stay in my lane. I don't give financial advice. I'm not allowed to, but I, even if I were allowed to, I wouldn't. So I try very hard to stay focused on the real estate piece of it. And then I also, you know, I don't mind the handholding that goes along with it because even very successful people, even successful financial people don't always understand the homeownership obligations. Right. right. You know, you, uh, you, you mentioned stay in your lane and I, and I believe that, you know, and, and I, that's what I say in my book. I mean, know exactly the kind of help you need and then find the expert in that particular uh, area. And that, and as opposed to, you know, asking somebody that doesn't do that as a specialty. But that brings me to a question about lawyers, um, because it sounds like lawyers have to be involved at, they have to be involved no matter what at some level, but lawyers, family lawyers in general are advocates and they're, they are contesting. I mean, they're representing you, you and one spouse and then the other spouse is, is got their own lawyer, but there is in a sense, a shared interest between the divorcing couples to, you know, unwind this marriage in the most efficient way possible. 
how do you navigate that essential tension between lawyers that are acting as advocates and then lawyers that need to act as facilitators of a of a divorce? Well, I mean, honestly, that's a great question. And, and you know, the answer is it depends because there are people have different styles, obviously. I started laughing when you were talking because I thought you were going to talk about lawyers giving financial advice, which, you know, no offense. I mean, lawyers are my bread and butter and I, I respect their work very much, but lawyers don't always give the most appropriate financial advice. And so, you know, my point in the the guide to, you know, the guide to getting divorced is to consult with the lawyer for legal things mm-hmm. and consult with your CPA for tax matters or financial things. Consult with me specifically on the real estate. So yes, lawyers are expected to advocate for their clients and, and they do. Um, but they are, I think, most of the time, really the facilitator. They're really the lead person. And, you know, I always say that I'm happy to be an Indian when the chief knows what he's doing. So if the lawyer is, you know, proceeding in a fashion that makes sense based on the different aspects of the case, it's very easy for me to just fall in line as one of the, you know, one of the team members playing a crucial, but overall really kind of small role. I mean, you know, I'm only really working on one piece of this. Um, Sometimes it's a little different if there are rental properties and, and oftentimes when a couple has other, you know, other residential properties, one of them will take one and one of them will take another. So um, unwinding, the word you used is a great word for that because oftentimes um, there is some, you know, a lot of conversation around how property will get divided. And I have to be mindful of, you know, always how an underwriter would look at it so that, you know, the loan is ultimately approved. I mean, there are times where, you know, people do things that, you just can't even imagine that, you know, harm their own case. And, and you know, we work with that to the extent we can. But I had a client who she had her lawyer who was fantastic. This was in Houston, Texas. Great lawyer, great CPA. I had, you know, gotten the house all ready for refinance and she quit her job. We went to order a last verification of employment and they sent back that she was terminated I mean, and the whole thing fell apart because, you know, her, she had represented all this time that she wanted to keep the home. And, you know, I called the CPA and basically said, what the heck? You know, they didn't know either. So it it's it's kind of part of what appeals to me about working in this environment is, you know, it is different every time. I have added to my script now when I talk to people in my initial call, you know, don't quit your job, you know, don't, don't go out and buy a boat, like while we're doing this, so um, you know, it's, it's a hard time. As you know, it is a hard, hard time in someone's life and you're not thinking correctly. I mean, sometimes I call it a brain scramble. So I try very hard to kind of, you know, dovetail in with whatever is happening and not not add any stress to the picture. Well, you know, we're 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 coming we're coming sort of to to the end of our our time here, but I wanted to 
what what strikes me is as uh, as as you talk is that there's so many different situations i mean it, it and it feels like you know i mean i i say in in the financial planning or retirement income world that if you've seen one financial plan you've seen one financial plan um and i and i seems to me like the same is true of divorces if you've seen one divorce you've seen one divorce but are there things that are common through that that you could at least distill for our for our audience you know what is you know a couple of things that are pretty general and that pretty important in pretty much all the divorces that you've seen I would say, um, you know, my mind always drifts to my kids. So, you know, making sure that you've got some thoughts around, you know, what visitation would look like. Um, yes, there are common elements of every divorce, right? If you've got children, you know that there are child custody issues, there are visitation issues, um, those kinds of things. Then, you know, looking to your own situation, how will I be affected financially? Um, you know, how will my life look? Will I have to change my lifestyle? Um, you know, will I stay here? All those kinds of considerations for the future. And then, as you pointed out, most people have a lawyer. Most people have an insurance agent. Most people have, you know, someone like yourself who's looking at the retirement part of this. Um, so each each divorce has definitely some common some common vocabulary and some common traits, but everyone's situation is different. And, um, you know, there are some wild variations in the ways people go about breaking up. And I just um, I feel very called to providing this information because unless you've been through it, you know, I tell people it's like having a baby unless you've actually done it, unless you've actually been through a divorce, it's very hard to understand how draining and how difficult and just, you know, how sad it is. Even if it's the right thing, it's still sad. Yes. And thank you so much, Brooke, because it also feels like in many, if not most situations that you come, there's a house. And, and even if even if you don't own a house, there's a place that the you know, the couple is living and um, that has to be considered as part of the divorce. And it sounds like, you know, that's your specialty is where people live. And if you're living in a house and you're thinking about getting divorced, sounds like Brooke Benson is someone that you should be thinking about at least looking at your stuff and planning for divorce. So thank you. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes even high level executives have never really dealt with, you know, let's say they're not the person paying the bills. And so one of the things I do feel like I bring to the transaction is, you know, I refer to it as handholding, but, but, you know, everyone needs to understand what the four parts of a house payment are. Um, they need to understand what happens if a payment is late and I actually did a loan for a very successful mergers and acquisition mergers and acquisitions CPA in Fort Worth. And I made some comment about, you know, some obligations she had under the mortgage. And she said, do you mind walking me through those? And it occurred to me, well, she'd never done that before. You know, they I think in that particular case, she had a bookkeeper who, you know, just assisted her. And she said, I need to know this if I'm keeping the house. So the truth is, 
you may not have been in a situation before where you needed to know this information, but if you're going to be on a mortgage by yourself after a divorce or after a breakup, it is important to understand all the different obligations and what the consequences are if something, you know, if something changes. So yes, I, I, I take this role very seriously and I do feel like you know, my clients are sharing a lot of very personal information with me, and I want to treat them with the utmost respect during what might be the worst time in their lives. Well, this has been great. So thank you so much, Brooke. You've really been uh, giving us a lot of great information, a lot of great advice. My website is plannedfordivorce.org. And you can download the workbook and there are more resources there. Um, and Pete, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Brooke Benson, plannedfordivorce.org. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brooke. That was amazing. Thank you, Pete. Another amazing interview. You are watching Silver Divorce, How to Simplify a Painful Process. Brooke Benson, go check out her stuff. It, she she knows what she's doing. And Pete, of course, the silver divorce expert around money. So I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer of the show on Incandescent Radio and Incandescent TV. We will talk to you again next month with another amazing expert. Have a great day.